I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, that's uh, LaFontaine's podcast, uh, coming at you live with some fire. <laughs> what episode is this? 46. 46 casts. We're coming up for the the one year anniversary soon. That's why there's probably started preparing bunting in the streets around London town. <laughs> <laughs> Wear faces on it. Wear faces on it, aye. Saying 46 weeks at the top. Harris has re-faced the front end of the shop where... <laughs> We just pictures he has. No, the House of Commons has got the projector screen beaming across the Thames. <laughs> back on the cast, back with another guest. Um, first time we've done this, we've spoke to the guest prior to being on the cast. So Jamie's, you'll, you'll find out later, but uh, Jamie shows up a little late for this one. Tardiness. Tardiness will not be accepted on the cast. But we had a great guest, man, with uh, Rab from Las Vegas. And I think that was one of my uh, favourite chats we've ever had on the cast. The f- the flow was it was it was ebbing and flowing as they say streams of chat streams of chat <laughs> <laughs> uh, tsunami <I> of chat <laughs> <laughs> he's a good boy though wasn't he Jamie ah uh, he's brilliant nice man nice gentleman but before all that there, there's been your fan favourites there there'll be some Jamie's journal you could stay tuned for this and the question I always ask what's been happening this week boys I've been back at work after a a good three week hiatus. Back at the fridges. Aye, so get sear arms and sear legs. To describe what I was doing is pretty much uh, burpees all night. Right. No, like you're trying to lose weight burpees, but like having to move these fridges. So I was having to like, I was on my belly, having to get these skateboards in rapid and then stand back up fast before they moved. That's cool they employ skateboards. <laughs> we 20 Hawks. I put them on the, well I call them skateboards, but they call them the barras. By the end of the night I was like, when I was, I was standing up dead fast. Headbrush? <laughs> <A couple, laughs> yeah, I was getting it. Get a buzz? <laughs> <laughs> Felt like I was on poppers and all that. I kept having to say, give me two seconds to I compose myself. It was a new build. It was in a 600 year old building. Right. The load in, they couldn't do like a, a normal thing where you would get them into a loading bay on a shop. Mm-hmm. It's like a historic building or whatever. In case Aye, so the, the basement's like, it's a basement, but you, there's no back entrance or whatever. Ah, okay. It's like having to unload the 
the fridges into the, the street I was having to do my my traffic marshalling again <laughs> oh aye you're notoriously bad at traffic marshalling aye it's like fucking having to wave buses and all that and then tell folk to stop and then how did it go this time aye the usual <laughs> chaos sort of thing so it's just making it worse because there's a lorry and then there's a, a Moffat but the Moffat's like a forklift yep. that's getting them off so it's, it's, that's why you need the the, the traffic marshal that's why you need <laughs> a fucking nump tail at me I but just no get the no get the authority to stop people mm-hmm. as if I'm just waving at them but other folks seem to be able to do it and they're absolutely <laughs> fine with it I'm not waving I'm drowning <laughs> <laughs> well I'm trying to I'm trying to say stop but as if I'm trying to push an invisible wall aye <laughs> I try to get the car to go back with the, the force or something like that uh, <laughs> the force and it just looks as if I'm, I don't know, maybe doing like Kung Fu <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> but do you do any kicks? If the cars are going really fast, I maybe put a foot up. <laughs> just that I'm thinking if it comes too fast, then I can hop it. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Um, do you think you'll get the shout for the Good Morning Britain job? Me. <laughs> 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 There's a position position going. Did you see it on S1 Jobs? <laughs> <laughs> Not up the day. Get your application in. Podcast host, top 40 album, millions of streams. Exactly. Unproblematic. Won't walk off after a slagging. <laughs> Can take a slagging. I'm looking forward to the Royal Correspondence Journal on the the Megan and Harry debacle. How did you know? How did you know I would mention it? I just knew you would. Sitting watching it with your with your with your laptop, like Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson himself, sitting there smoking a fag, going, "I can't wait to get torn into this." Fact checking every single thing they say. <laughs> what well, is up then? Give us it both barrels. Give us a snippet of the, your your initial reactions the day it first came out. So it came out on the Monday night. Did you did you actually watch the full thing? No, I didn't watch it at all. <laughs> no, no, same. I feel as if I have though. <laughs> I've heard that much about it. I feel as if I've seen it. All. Eight o'clock Monday morning. It's total rating in cats and dogs, man. Pushing for the heavens. Not that it bothers me. I'm feeling excellent this morning. It's one hundred and eight minutes past seven, so nearly nine o'clock. Been up for a good few hours and E.T.'s away to work. I get banished to the couch about three in the morning because she was getting annoyed at whatever noise it is I make in my sleep. As far as I understand it, it's my tongue hitting against the roof of my mouth in an effort to lubricate it somehow. <laughs> I never hear it because I'm sleeping but it drives her fucking loopy. I just get straight out of bed on autopilot and onto the couch. I doth not protest as it would only make matters worse. I've got another few hours later on I'm working my cell today. I'm getting picked up about five. Back to the fridges of the night, the morrow on Wednesday. Actually, really looking forward to it to break up the recent few weeks' monotony. My gratuitous positive mood becomes justified with the news. It's the first day since last September that the COVID deaths have been less than a hundred. Piers Morgan ends up arguing with this lady on Good Morning Britain. It's a total heated session of cotterwalling. The two of them sparring through a, a harsh, discordant mixture of utter pish. It's about if the royal family are racist or no. 
Maybe I'm not empathetic enough, or maybe it's because I'm at that age where I'm starting to price sheds, but fuck me, who's got the time for this? Big daft stupid peers. I think there's some kind of interview with Prince Gary and his actress wife Mary and Oprah fucking Winfrey, and it's been on in America but no here yet, or something like that, complete drivel. Last night I was on Cuba and I watched a documentary for the Bieber about Castro's life. It was showing how he took over for Batista in 1959 with your man Che Guevara and about how the Russians wanted to get chummy with him. There's a second part I'm going to watch after my run. I've done a hundred press-ups already, had a couple of Woodstock breakfasts and I'm going to work on some more music today. Breezed out two new tracks in jig time this afternoon. One that Daz sent over which had this slick ascending guitar progression. That Daz sent over. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> 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 I'll read that sentence again. That's quite funny. One that Daz sent over, which had a slick ascending guitar progression. That Daz sent over. <laughs> <laughs> it's got cool diminished chords and it reminds me of something that John Fashanti would play with the Chili's. Done that and also recorded a tune that I'd messed a bit with in the piano. I think I was trying to kid on his father, John Misty, when I was doing it, but chuffed at how it turned out. I've got hunters done, learned a lot more about Cuba. That country sends more doctors on the planet than anybody else. I quite like this place, the history, it's class. Havana with all the old motors and all that. Not that it's without fault, but Cuba's branch of communism seems appealing to me. Daniel Lamb for the wishy motherful communist party sent me a message on Facebook <laughs> saying cheers for the support. <laughs> I must have read out one of the, the days of this diary on the podcast because there's a few tweets about it. The revolution is well and truly on. <laughs> I'll give him my vote since he bothered to say hello, but I will not be taking up arms and overthrowing the health centre. <laughs> I'm a good bit into my animal farm book where everything is starting to go wrong. I wonder if Daniel Lamb will be like Napoleon the pig and be guarded at all times with massive dugs. I met Mary Black when I was busking one day. She was wearing this massive woolly red jumper. She kept on saying how roasting she was. And I was like, would you not take it off her? And she said she had an Oasis t-shirt underneath and didn't think it was very politician-y. She was going to see Noel Gallagher that night and she said she couldn't wait for a few cans. I met another man who was the SNP MP for Cope Bridge on two occasions. Both times it was this burn supper over at Owens Bar. And both times he asked me in a way that I took personally to be condescending what I would like to be when I grow up <laughs> this was only about two or three years ago as well and both times it was pretty clear that I was playing drums for the entertainment as if it was just a wee hobby <laughs> fucker Daniel Lamb better not ask me questions like that I've prepared a wholesome meal for my tea at work got two bagels and egg with hot sauce on it the Nando's extra hot one there's quite a few in my cupboard, but that Nando one's my chosen poison. I've got one that's called Psycho Juice. It's <laughs> just as its name suggests. The burn is something I'm into, but the Psycho Juice is something else. Just waiting to get picked up off Ronnie now, heading into Perth tonight. Dunkeld, to be exact. Aye, that was brilliant. That was maybe my favourite one yet. 9th of March, Tuesday. Every online and every paper in Mrs Jamal's shop and every news channel is showing Prince Gary and his thespian spouse. <laughs> Unfucking real. As much as I've tried not to get too solicitous about the matter, I really am quite riled up about it. 
Not for either Warren Party, be it the Lizard Dynasty or Gary Boy himself, but somehow in the realms of No Man's Land meets Purgatory. I've got so little interest for all these tossers that it brings out this furious display of passionate antipathy. These fucking shapeshifters are all a million light years from my dwellings and much I suspect every cunt else's. I wish they would all just shut it. When I don't understand something, I can get quite agitated at times, but I really do not want to watch what any of them have got to say about anything, unless it's about Prince Andrew, who still hasn't been rid cared it. Hmm. I would be interested in them getting quizzed, however, by David Icke or one of the other loon bags that propagate the reptilian overlord patter. Piers Morgan's just walked off his show in a wee huff. <laughs> Poor little Piers. It must be so hard for him. Such a snowflake. He needs to learn to grow some boys. My boys are actually red raw than you. My ghoulies are in bits. The trackies I've used for my run this morning must have been washed with a different fairy liquid because the lower half of my person is on fire. The shins are sizzling, the calves are crackling, and tiny lumps that look like prickly heat have devoured my groin area. It's nippy nippy nippy. My clothes must have been washed in that cycle juice. <laughs> I've soothed my burning bits and pieces with industrial dollops of hydrocortisone and all sorts of other creams that are highly combustible. Imagine dying in a fire because your eczema was there. I'm about to get picked up for work again. It's quarter to six. I'm going to prepare my eggs. Got another quaint little ditty written in a rough demo recorded today. I'm on a roll at the moment. Mrs Jamal didn't have any rolls for my pieces for work, so I made one with a bagel and one with two thin slices of this wee Weight Watchers bread. Both receive lashings of the famous Portuguese peri-peri restaurant Spiciest Condiment. <laughs> Picturesque Dunkeld was lovely last night. The actual job itself was pish, but it felt like I was on my holidays for a, for an hour or so, since I've no left my immediate vicinity for a few weeks. Tonight, Matthew, I'm going to go to Bayliston. <laughs> I was up at six o'clock this morning, and I meant to get another few hours in before work, but I've been too excited with all the music and cooking all my eggs. What I like doing is cracking the egg into a bowl and fire it in the microwave for one minute and ten seconds it comes out in this nice wee circle shape. <laughs> <laughs> the finest and efficient culinary workpieces catered for the working man who is not only pressed for time in the modern stay-at-home life environment, but also conscious about getting a fix of protein for chicken's placenta hoarders. <laughs> Again, it's fine if I don't eat meat, but only developing embryos and fertilised ovums, which I wouldn't class as meat, yet. It's like me going to fight in a war, but as a pacifist, I just use my finger instead of a rifle. I get to experience the thrill of killing my fellow sapien, but we're actually doing it. I could also use a Johnny Popper. A Johnny Popper is this ama amazing piece of urban weaponry, crafted for the bottleneck of a two-liter jig and a finger cut off a rubber glove, placed over the bit where your mouth would go, and you load up the finger with frozen peas or stains or whatever. Maybe I'll take up Daniel Lamb's Communist Party's armed revolution if we promise to only overthrow the Hill Centre with strictly fingers zapping and a couple of Johnny Poppers for slight intimidation. <laughs> uh, the final bit of... Oh, oh. Final bit here. Don't stop him. Can't we stop? I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Mercredi this Mars. I'm back into the top league on that Duolingo. Up there with the big hitters, the dual speakers, the Johnny Foreigners. <laughs> I've been at these dizzying heights not too many months previous, and I can tell you it's as tough as it gets. The practice will need to be more regimented should I wish to continue on my path to Paris. Dazgade is a Netflix recommendation that I forgot the name of. What is it, Daz? Uh, call My Agent. Call My Agent. But it's on the phone somewhere. Last night when I was at work, I got rumbled. I was at this Lidl's in Bailiston, and it was a couple of minutes to midnight. The app is pretty aggressive with its notifications and it kept buzzing in my pocket, reminding me that I would lose my daily streak if I didn't shift it at 4.12. My workload was of a moderate intensity, but not too moderate that I could slink away for a quick lesson. <laughs> I, I could have said anything else, like going for a snout, but I had a fag about 20 minutes of four. I didn't enjoy the fag though, with the looming pressure and near failure to complete my daily target. On the fag break, there was too many folk going in and out to whip out the phone and start zoom appelling it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a testosterone fueled environment on these building sites. Loads of tradesmen and that. And I always get comments on my hair, so I didn't want to bring any more attention to myself. I had to feign an urgent need for the toilet to the site agent guy in charge of the shift. Of course, he's like, on you go. I tell him I was bursting, which I was. Bursting for a French lesson. <laughs> when I got up to the toilet, it was occupied, so I thought, I better go and hide somewhere. <laughs> the, the beads of sweat were trickling down my forehead, and I found a wee staff office hanging. Ready to get a quick burst of knowledge, safe for the foreman's line of vision. But then the app wouldn't load up because there was no 3G connection. Oh, no. I'm fucking bolting out this office and start sprinting into the car park in the pissing rain till <laughs> I get a signal. <laughs> Study French. <laughs> in between two lowly vans seemed like my best option. One side of it was a bit drier because of the fallen water's direction. So I got it loaded up and began a, a quick tutorial on reflexives. I was sort of bent over, kicking through the van windies in case MD was a boot. The wee lesson for the minimum required amount only takes a couple of minutes, and I had a big giant sigh of relief as I hit my target before the cutoff. One minute to midnight. I got myself straightened up and turned round, and then I heard a chorus of gut wrenching laughter and some figures obscured by the floodlights. It's the site manager and a few other of the organ grinders. They asked me what the fuck I'm up to and I had to come clean and hold my mittens up. When I was explaining it all, the crazier I sounded in my head. The site agent asked me what the French is for fuck off and get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's class. Another fantastic Jamie's journal there. Now it's time for the special guest of the podcast. A great conversation with... Um, the main man from Las Vegas, Rob Allen. They tell me that I'm nothing, I walked over and passed on. Fifteen minutes later, these cemeteries don't last long. I don't catch a wave or deal with the skullduggery. I am the result of dealing my own currency. Caution, when fake love is often bury me with nothing but pray to save my coffin. Feel it coming, I swore that when I was young, like a shock from 
double down on the action My people in the city, I can raise them like the roof All that trouble in my youth, they be fire in the booth All that hunger in my stomach, got them bait when I roll They won't let me in the gate, so I tunnel through the floor Now they carry me with harmony and caution on the side Kick caution on the side, caution on the side Hi Rab, how you doing? I'm good, how you doing? I'm very well, we're waiting and we Jamie boy jump on the cast But considering he's not got much chat anyway, it's fine <laughs> So we were just talking there, you've been doing a PhD Let's jump right in on that. Tell me about it, mate. So let's go back a wee step just really quickly. So what happened was I was, um, after we finished the third album, I was just drinking and partying and just being pure, like, ridiculous. And my, my missus at the time was like, you need to find something to do. So I was like, do you know what? I always wanted to get a degree. So that, that was the plan. Go back and get a degree, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And, like, four years later, I found myself, like, still doing it and doing a PhD. And it's pretty cool. It's um, I'm mapping and measuring the Scottish music industry. So that's with the SMIA. So it's basically wow. to find out the value of the, the music industry in Scotland and try and find areas where we can kind of get growth and, and uh, try and get more money for the government to invest into the industry and stuff. And then, then COVID happened. So now I'm looking at the COVID and the effects of that as well and stuff. So it's kind of, it's opened it right up. So it's been really interesting. Did you finish high school or go to uni back in the day? Like, how did you get to a, a PhD level? So when I was at school, I started playing guitar when I was in school. And then that kind of took over. So it was like grades, pretty good. Found music, it kind of disappeared. So when I left school, at that point, it was really like, going to do the band, going to do the band. So I applied for college, went to college to do some social sciences, got the money, like the bursary, bought a guitar, left. Next year, went back, applied for a different course, got the bursary, bought an amplifier, left. (laughs) This is is true. And then I never really bothered with stuff like that. And then um, I guess I, I was never really that academic. I don't even think I am now, but I think what I've got is like, everything I've achieved with the band was achieved with three other people. I never did anything for myself. And I think that was one of the things I kind of felt like I want to do something for myself that I've achieved. So then when the thing we're going back to uni came up, I was like, oh, this would be quite cool. That's a really interesting way to look at it, that you feel like even though it was all three in the band, that you wanted to go on your own and do something? Mm. Is that something you felt throughout the full band or was that just something that suddenly twigged to you at some point where like, I feel like I need to go and start my own flag? It was more towards the the latter period of the band, like maybe the past five, six years, I guess. Like after, after the second album, even probably after the third one, I was just like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, what, what do I want to do? Because I can do anything that I felt like I was quite privileged. I was in a position I could go and try and do this or try and do that. And I was like, I think I want to like get a degree. And I don't know why, it was just something. I always thought if I've got a degree, then that's something I've got for myself that I've earned. Did you have a kind of chip on your shoulder that you never had one and you wanted to go and prove that you could? I think so, but not that I had a chip against anything in particular, but I just wanted to prove to myself. And I mean, I hadn't written an essay in like 15 years. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even when I was at school, like English was never my thing. I was really good with numbers. Mm-hmm. So to go back and what happened was the, it was UWS I went to down there and they let me go straight to my third year, which was probably a mistake because it was quite hard getting in at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did my third year. There was a couple of lecturers who said at the end, look, you're, you're doing really well. You should think about coming back next year. And I was like, I, I just don't think I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm kind of cut out for it. And I ended up going back. I came top of the class. I got like an A for my dissertation. 
I got a medal and all that because my grades were so good. So it was just like there's been like an incremental thing I kind of get in there and just, but I mean, I had to work really hard. So then I left after the honours year and I was like, right, I'm going to go and do something there. And uh, Jim Prime from Deacon Blue, the keyboard player, he, he mm-hmm. runs the course. He phoned me and he was like, right, Rab, are you coming back then to do your master's? And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I've got something else lined up. And he's like, no, no, I've signed you up, you're coming back. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, how can I say no? And it was like a week later, I was back at uni doing my master's. So it's always been like that. And it's just a weird wee coincidences. I don't know if, if you did this, like I always look for wee signs or directions that you're meant to go in with things. Mm-hmm. When I was in uni, I was doing my master's and there was a boy there called Lyle. Me and Lyle got really good mates. And Lyle uh, told me about this PhD. And I was like, no, nah, look, I don't, I don't really know. And he was like, you need to apply this. You're going to get it. You're going to smash it. I was like, right, cool. Meanwhile, he was managing an artist called Joseph. Oh, wow. Right. So, and he was like, Have you got any contacts? Can you maybe put me in touch with somebody? He's like, I'd love to meet Denise. Mm-hmm. So, I set up a meet with him and Denise. And basically, Denise got all the labels up to King Touch to see him. And then that's kind of how all that kicked off. So, it was like always, always looking for wee signs with things. And it was like, always one of the things that kind of made that happen. And it's so good where you can kind of like pass, I don't know, a bit of influence on and help somebody else out like that. Yeah. Was it always going to be a musical thing that you went back and done a, a degree in? Or did you ever get to the point where like you thought, I'm kind of done with music completely. I want to go a completely different direction. Or did you think, here's what I've, I've established myself in. Surely I can go and enhance on this sort of thing do you know what it's funny so i've never actually told anybody this you're the first person i spoke to so that happened in 2018 and it was just before we were going to do the 10 year anniversary tour and i was just like i'm just i just don't know if i'm digging this like i don't know if this is the path i'm supposed to be on and it's probably as because i was back at union kind of doing my own thing and uh, i spoke to denise about it our manager and denise was like no no you really need to do the gigs and i was like nah i was like i just i don't think it's going to happen so then a couple of days later, I got a phone call, it's Alan McGee, and he's like, Rab, I've flown up to Glasgow, meet me in the Malmaison on the night. And I was like, like, what's this going to be? So I'm in the Malmaison and Alan and Denise are sitting, and Alan's like, you need to do these gigs. If you don't do these gigs, they're not going to go ahead because the band isn't right if you're not there. So mm-hmm. he was like, no pressure, but you need to do the gigs. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the moments where like everyone pure slowed down, and I was like, this is Alan McGee. I'm in a band because I love Oasis, and that was like started and this guy said to me if you don't do the gigs it's not going to be the same it's not going to work and I was just like I need, I need to do it was it Alan McGee and Carol Bratt that seen you play Glass Vegas play was it back in 2006 at King Tuts yeah uh, that and that, that again that was because our manager Denise she had basically contacted him and said look uh, I manage my brother's band and I think you'd really like them I called this today. and Alan was like why don't you come down for a cup of tea I've got time this afternoon and and, they, and because I, again the same thing Alan gave her 10 minutes of his time he believed her when she told him these things and then Alan had like Fathers and Football Tops and a few other songs for the first album and he was just like It's amazing that that, that comes full circle where he's sort of like asking you for the favour almost like mate please play these gigs I know and it was funny I went him and I said to my wife I was like like he said this and she was like well you, you need to do them then And are you glad you made that decision then? Do you know what it was the right decision to make because I think I would have regretted it I, I don't know why, I don't know what was what my thought process was at the time for not doing them. But I think I thought that I couldn't do the two things, which now I've kind of came to realise I can, and I'm in a fortunate position that if I'm, like, with a PhD, I, I manage my own time. So if I want to take a month off, I just need to make that month up, so it's, you know... It's, it's kind of, I think, as well, because when you start in the band, generally speaking, you kind of have this sort of, like, all or nothing. Plan B is a plan to fail. I'm all in on this, or I'm not doing it. And I think you probably carry that mentality on where I can't juggle, there's no way I could juggle the both of these things. 
yeah. you know. Definitely. And I think we're a bit more experienced and knowing the game as you will. Like you, your priorities shift as well. I think when you're younger and you're fully on in it, it's sort of like I will. This is the most important thing in the world to me. Yeah, it's just like a, when I was younger, it was like nothing's going to get in my way. Everything was getting fucking flung, boom, boom. And then now it's like you relax a wee bit and it's like, oh. but I, I was, as I said, it was definitely the right decision. And yeah, obviously now we've got loads more stuff happening, which is good. So, are you in a kind of better place now to go back to the band as well? Like, do you feel like you're getting enjoyment with it as opposed to not saying that you never enjoyed it before? But obviously, these things they take their time and, and they, they kind of don't run their course as such, but it, it starts to mount up. Yeah. Especially with the, the success you've had right off the bat, it felt like. And was it as instantaneous as that? Was, did Glass Vegas just go like that, or was there a bit we don't know about that took? I mean, we. Me, James and Paul started making music in 2004. So that was like four years before the debut album was it. Um, and it's funny because people do think that we kind of, the album just came out and it was like, that was it. Like we bought a transit van, we put a mattress in the back and we drove up and down the UK for a year, playing to like one person in each city. And then when we went back, there would be two people there. And then when we went back, there would be, and that, that's the kind of things that people don't really know that, that we did. The other thing you were saying about, um, being a bit different now with the band than what I was earlier. It's de- there's definitely more an appreciation there when I hang out with the guys now, especially because with everything that's going on, like we've been rehearsing for an online gig we're doing and it's just been like the best. Just seeing the guys, never mind playing music, but see just like listening to Paul say something funny and just James no knowing where to plug a guitar lead in. It's like, just, just <laughs> things like James saying to me, what's the chords to this song? And I'm like, you wrote it. It's things like that, do you know what I mean? Aye, aye. So there's definitely like a, a, an appreciation there. And do you think that's the time apart that's allowed you to appreciate that more? Yeah, I think so, because what happened was after the third album, James moved to Stockholm. Mm-hmm. And we'd actually started the album that we're just about to release then. So we started this album seven years ago. <laughs> what well, well, I remember talking to you about this album yeah. maybe four years ago, man, four or yeah. five years ago. And you were in a kind of place where it was sort of like, I don't know when it's coming out of me. Like <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and that was the thing. And I, and I think that because me, James, and Paul are on mates, we kind of know that if somebody needs a bit of space or somebody needs whatever it is, you just give them it. Do you know what I mean? So James had went to Stockholm. Um, I stayed here. That's when I went back to uni. Paul was doing his thing. Paul's Paul's got a kid and he's got a family and that as well. Again, it was because Alan McGee. We keep I keep coming back to Alan. I interviewed Alan for one of my dissertations, and he was like, "I like to manage the band." And I was like, well, Denise still manages the band. And he was like, I'll manage the band. Where Denise And he was like, I really want to manage the band. Like, I love that. And Alan's like family. I call him Uncle Alan. So it's like, that's kind of where we are. So from that, it was, Alan was like, right, if you get any music, we'll have actually like recorded an album. We just need to finish it. And he was like, right, go and get it finished. I mean, the songs were always there. The songs were always good. I always thought they were really good. But I think we were just like, quite happy taking that time because, as you said, everything. There was just so much, like so quickly, that it was just nice to take a bit of time. And it's and is it the stage now then where it's it's good to go? You're ready. It's finished. It's been signed off on. Finito. It's um, it's done. Yeah, it's coming out next month. So can't wait. To be honest, just to get it out and move on. And it's a shame because we had gigs booked for last year, we had gigs booked for this year, and now that's been moved to next year. Uh, here's uh, we late ass come in, right? I'm going to let him come in. How you doing, Jamie? That's us fucking finished. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Rav. Mate, I told you I'm normally sitting watching the Disney Channel by this time, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just getting. Well, my girlfriend was like, 
what do you mean you're doing your podcast? And I thought we were going to go for a walk. So I like, oh no, we need to date the new one. Anyways, she's away to the range. So the driving range? I should wait the driving range. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just talking about uh, Rab, his PhD, and uh, now we're talking about... Uh, Pretty huge deal. What, what, what have you got a PhD in? No, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I've, I've not got it yet, so I'm kind of trying to get it, trying to work towards it. So I've done about a year and a half it. What are you learning? I am mapping and measuring the Scottish music industry. So cool. it's a look at the economic, social, cultural value, and then COVID happened, so I'm going to talk about that as well. And so I'm just about to start. So I'm no doubt I'll be coming to you, boys, asking you some questions. Aye. Schedule meeting for one, Jamie. We'll show up half two. <laughs> <laughs> the album's coming out next month. What was the... The process has always been insanely long, right? Yeah. And I, I mean then that you've sat with the songs for a while, years. I, I, to be fair, as bands often do. Uh, but getting in the studio and playing them, is that the first time you've done that together? Yeah, so uh, me and James have to do some acoustic stuff. So we played some of the new songs like when I be acoustic tour we did just before lockdown. So me and him had kind of messed about with a couple of them. We played one of the new songs on Tuesday night for the first time. And see when you're first in a band and you first play a song together, it's really fucking bad. Like really bad. It was like that. <laughs> and we were just like, right, let's try that again. So we just played like this one song for like four hours and it was it sounded really good. But it's just weird that thing when you're gonna learn new songs again and we've got a new drummer as well. So kinda of getting to grips with that and all Paul's wrist kept cramping up like as bass players do, so it was quite funny. Well when Jamie the other week there you were in drumming and you had a wee blister and you started shitting the bed. <laughs> Obviously COVID's affected everything, but since you last released an album a record how has the landscape changed and, and and what do you do differently this time with releasing a record now every single time i've released an album the actual industry's changed so much so the first one was 2008 the second one was 2011 that was just insane in itself because that was when like the streaming thing really kicked in so by 2011 it was just completely different um, so would you say that you caught the tail end with the first record you just caught the tail end of sales still been a thing yeah well so Funny wee story, uh, when we started, one of the biggest markets is Sweden, for some bizarre fucking reason, I don't know. Aye, he's a really big over there, eh? Aye, which, which is weird. Do you, know, do you know why? No, I mean, just Scandinavia in general, we, were, we can still we play really big venues over there, which is just weird. So, um, your managers get really good pals with the people that ran Spotify. So, like, we were the first act to ever have a million plays on Spotify, because it was that new, even fucking then. Fucking hell. You know what I mean? So that's so that's, that's what I mean. And so in 2009, if an artist got a million streams, that was like groundbreaking. By the time 2011 came around, it was just it all kicked off. Do you know what I mean? So the the biggest thing I guess for this album is that we're, we're releasing everything ourselves because then we just retain all the rights. I just don't like, but especially because we recorded the whole album on our own, funded it all. Mm -hmm. I actually recorded everything, set all the mics up. James did all that on his own. So we've not paid anybody to do anything. So basically, the way we've done it is. To go back to an earlier point, you said where James was struggling to find where to put the guitar lead in. I can't believe he managed to <laughs> record well, an album. Well, I mean, the thing is, I'm, I'm really proud of him for what he's done because it, it does sound really good. And this has got some condescending in its snow, but, and it, but this is one of the reasons why it took so long as well. <laughs> you have to learn how to like make up a drum kit, you have to learn how to like, if you listen to the tracks, there's like six bass tracks on a song because he's just got all these different frequencies and mad things happening. It's like, 
So, so that's one of the reasons that took so long. But the the big thing, I guess, was just for us was like retaining our rights. I just don't know what we'd, we'd gain from signing with a label at this point, especially as an established artist with a fan base and some some already, some weight in the game already. I think that makes the most sense, man. Well, it's good because we, we, we can kind of choose. We want this radio person, we want that person, that person. And it's, it just kind of works, you know what I mean? So, and you also don't spend stupid money on stupid things. We usually use these people, or oh, this is maybe good for it, and then you, before you know it, there's 40 grand away in something that, like, what what was that for? We, we, we were getting statements through for Sony saying that, um, like, somebody for the X Factor with their music video on our, on our bone or that, it was like, they just fire anything on you to try and get you to pay for it, so... Do you know, honestly, all, all that stuff, it's like, I'm, I'm no, I, I don't miss any of that. But I, I, I think it's just better, especially if you've got a fan base, the same as yours as well. It's like, you're going to keep every single penny. No, no, it's loads of money, but it's, it, I, I would grudge getting half of that away to somebody else. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, it kind of works out probably better still. Even if you went with a label that put more into it, time they recoup and all that stuff, and then you never see a penny anyway. So if you put it out yourself and you, you've got some weight in the game like that, then it's all instantly yours. Exactly. So that's the thing. So, so we've put all this money into making the album and getting the campaign. So everything that comes in, every single penny, we know we're going to sell X minute albums. We know we're going to sell T-shirts and other things when we manage to get on the road. So, have you got a tour in mind for when it kicks off again? So we're touring the UK in February and we're touring Europe. It's not been announced yet, but I'm pretty sure that's March. So as long as Brexit, nothing, you know, as long as we can get something sorted. Would you be hesitant to go out on the road again? I'm like a, I'm like a wild animal when I go into. Because because you're like cooped up at home, even before COVID, I would just go until just have like a mad time. Do you know what I mean? Every night would just be like a party. So that's not going to change. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I just need to kind of kind of plan my time. But I always look forward to touring. I just don't like touring as much as what we used to. It was like we would tour like 200, 250 days of the year. I remember you told me a story, and it was uh, you were touring that much first record that. And I might get the band wrong here, but I think you'd done something. It was, it was either Kings Leon or maybe it was it was something you toured with them. It was you too. And if this was only because we, we didn't have, so we're not back a full a full European tour with Muse. We're not back to Peshmod like three or four times purely because we already booked <laughs> when they asked us because we were that booked in advance. It was just much like that. Like we're not back Morrissey, so don't really miss that now. But uh, I thought you were going to talk about the other thing with the with the U two thing. Did I tell you the story about you? Ah, uh-huh, that's the U two. So I, tell us that story if you can, mate. So again, I don't think anybody's ever heard this. So we were telling the U two, and when Paul gets a drink in him, he likes a sharpie. He likes to draw on things, right? right. So we were playing it. Who, who doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> Some of these millionaires. <laughs> so we, we were playing at Wembley Stadium, and they had these big like prints of the famous football players up in the wall. So Paul <laughs> decides to draw on every single photo with a sharpie. <laughs> so the next day we get a phone call from a manager and, and uh, Dean was like, look, we've had um, we've had you two as people on the phone saying, you know, they, they know that you kind of did this and you need to pay 12 and a half grand to get it fixed and they want you to pay 12 and a half grand to the Wembley charity. And we're like, how did they know it was us? And, and Dean went back and said, well, how do you know it was the band? And they were like, well, 99.9% sure it was them. And Dean was like, so there's a zero point zero zero one percent. And what had happened was Elbow had supported them the night before us. So I think Dean tried patting the blame on the Elbow, which clearly, clearly <laughs> was the kind <laughs> So, um, so what had happened up to that point was like, we'd all maybe made. A, I'd, I'd smashed an amp at a festival, and I had to pay to like 
pay for the amp. And James had done something selling so to pay for that. But it was like Paul can't pay twenty five grand it was in money. Uh-huh. So because the band paid that for Paul, I get my five grand back for the amp. Right, right. <laughs> me, me and James were just like, well done, lad. Well done. I think it caused a lot of bother. And then I, I don't know, I don't know if I told you about Kings of Leon. We get kicked off the Kings of Leon tour. Ah, uh-huh. how did that happen? These are fucking mad stories, man. These are the biggest bands in the world. I can't tell you why we get kicked off. Right, right. I'll tell you when I see you. Aye. aye. <laughs> um, there was just loads of reasons, and we were just too wild for them. To be honest, like we we, we would go on that tour bus after the show, and they would have to pack us off. Now it was just like because it was almost like you were like the last, like they were the last band to catch the sales, but also kind of felt like maybe one of the last bands of a rock and roll era. Did it feel like you had to maintain that, or did you? Is that just what you were? I, I think if you take like three boys to the East End of Glasgow who are really working class. Like, my mum had, like, three jobs when I was growing up just to pay bills, like, really basic. And then you give them, like, thousands of pounds in their bank accounts, they're just going to have a good time. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's all it was. That was purely just that we were having a good time. We didn't take anything seriously. The label fucking hated us. It was like, you could just tell that, that they were just, like, because they couldn't control us. There was, I, do you know, I can tell you this story now because they've kind of broke up. So Kasabian were on the label. Kasabian were the most obedient band I've ever seen in my life. Given the facade that they put up? But, but you know what, they're lovely guys, so I'm not putting them down. It was like, they're like, oh, rock and roll. And it was just like, no, they were sitting with a guy who runs Sony at his dinner table. And because James wouldn't turn up to the Mercury Awards, the guy who ran Sony worldwide wouldn't even come on and say hi to us at the table. It was just like stupid stuff. And you're just like, so, I mean, there was loads of stuff that went against us, but, um, I, you know, I, I don't really think it's been really badly behaved. I just think that we just had a party for a few years at some else's expense. So, Aye. Where was your best recording experience? Because like, like, uh, obviously the second album you recorded in America? Yeah, so we did the first one in New York, which was amazing. Um, that was like the first time I'd ever left the UK other than like Spain or something. So it was just like that. That, that, that was bizarre. Then with the second one, we were in Santa Monica. And I've told you some stories about that. Uh, it's that was, fucking amazing. It was like we rented a beach, a beach house. It was like thirty grand a month. I imagine you got to say about the Happy Mondays in uh, was it Jamaica or something. They were. Aye. Do you know what? But it was Happy Mondays with it the smack. Aye. So it was like basically what happened was we rented two houses. We rented one on the beach to record in, and me and James lived in that. And then we rented like a wee house, a wee shack up the back for Paul and Caroline. I feel so bad saying that. It sounds awful. Um, <laughs> That, that house was just like a party house that was just like insane for like five months like a guy coming down in a skateboard like drop more Xanax and all that it was just like like every, it was it was everything you would expect it to be and we just pushed everything to like extremes Aye. Um, so we, we recorded most of that there then we came back and the label were like no you need to go on a date with a producer so then we went in and kind of worked on them with a guy called Flood see the house you were recording in Santa Monica is that the one that's in Grand Theft Auto Aye. on the beach <laughs> So basically, when, when you go down to Santa Monica at the pier, when you're on the pier and you look out to the left, there's like a row of houses. And it was one of them. It was worth five and a half million. It's just a big party house. So, well, what, but what happened was the label refused to pay for that. I think they offered to pay for a month. And then after that, we had to pay for it. <laughs> Which we were kind of happy today because it was well worth it. I think we were saying to Dean and like Denise and I was just like, this is well worth it. We're going to get an amazing album on that. And we, we, we recorded all the songs in like the first month. 
And then we just spent like four months there, like going, going to parties with Reese Witherspoon and all that. It was just like... <laughs> I would love that. I, I know you would as well. <laughs> but that's the... It's, I mean, stories for the dinner table, man, they're, they're, they're amazing experiences you've got in life. You, you're obviously, you're doing the, the online gig then. That feels to me like it might be very anti-Glas Vegas in a sense that... Because there's a kind of... There's like a certain energy you get when you play, I think. Which I think I, I I would feel that it would be anti our band as well, just in terms of because it's all about like the energy in the room. Obviously, it's all we can kind of do at the moment. And if you get an album out, you kind of need to do these things. But how do you feel about that? So the 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 main reason we're doing the gig is it was tiny changes that asked us to do it, the charity Scott for Frightened Rabbit. That's right. Aye, is that a mental health charity? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. We're all kind of really into that stuff, so we're like, of course we'll do it. So that's that's kind of how it came about, and then a couple other charities get involved. And in terms of like the kind of experience, yeah, I, th- I think you're totally right. I, th- I think it is a strange thing, but I guess we've we've had to do like TV shows before where there's like nobody there, and you kind of just need to kind of turn it right. on and, and do your thing. Which, like I was saying just before you came on, Jimmy, we've, we've been in rehearsing again, and, and it's been so mad like seeing seeing the boys again. Because I think I think my band's quite like your band, and that. Yous are all mates and yous actually like each other and go on. Fans, I know that just get the gun play music and don't, it's, it's bizarre. But I think it blows my mind. Mates, ah, me as well. But I think when you've got a connection with mates, it just makes things a bit, it's always a bit more authentic and a bit more real. And- Definitely. And it also, mate, I'll tell you what, it's why yous are still a band. It's why we're still a band. It's like, that's why it lasts as long, I think, really. And it's why yous can have crazy big fallouts and, and be very honest with each other and still be together mate Stephen Hoffies are Celtic and Hoffies are Rangers <laughs> is, that, is that what it's like with you is? aye I've been quite happy the past few days and so is Paul obviously you're studying the Scottish music scene at the moment yeah who's the new ones to watch or who do you who you enjoy and also do you still think we've got a very good Scottish music scene I, I, right so I, I think the, the music scene is really really good and I think that just now there's so many good bands coming through and it's not been like that for a while. So mm. um, I love a, a girl called Lucia and the Best Boys. Mm. Aye, aye. 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 She's got a new song that's uh, perfectly untrue. That, the EP that that sounds phenomenal. I think she, I think if, if they kind of work that right, well, she could be like massive, like proper mm. pop. Like, mm-hmm. um, I like uh, Declan Welsh. I like Dead aye, Pony. He's great too. He's really yeah. good, aye. Um, I like Walt Disco. Um, just the theatrics and everything about it. It's like, I, I don't think you could have got a band like Walt Disco like 10 years ago. Do you know what I mean? But it's just, it's a thing of its time. I think it's great. Aye. I know I know this answer because I've seen you at shows, but were you always as connected still to the kind of underground Scottish music scene even when you were, like, I know you're away a lot at your height, but you always, I always feel like you could still catch Glass Vegas at one of your shows oh, no, de- definitely I know I mean I, I kind of go through phases where I try and find new music and probably because of what I'm doing then I, that's why I kind of know more, a wee bit more about what's happening there. but it's it's not so much that you could catch us at one of your shows we were just always out drinking and we would end up at a gig <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? aye aye, aye. But, aye I, I, the, the funny thing is talking about like Las Vegas and I seen in Glasgow whatever like nobody liked us in Glasgow nobody really liked us in Scotland like we, when we did the accent thing, remember this is when nobody else was really doing the Scottish accent. So it was like they would be like, "Oh, you're singing like the Proclaimers." The thing is, the Proclaimers are cool as fuck, right? So, Aye. but the only other band I'd seen singing with the Scottish accent was Frightened Rabbit, because we'd done a gig with them in touch like years ago. So the first time we ever played with Caroline playing the drums, 
and we was doing my thing was in sleazies and people were just like, it's not very good. Like Scottish accent, don't think that's going to work. You know, drummer standing up, nah. And, uh, and people were just kind of slagging it, which is why we just, we bought a transit van, got a mattress and was like, right. Took it, took it, like a, we all took out loans to kind of survive for a year. Well, like, let's get a year, let's just do a thing and we did it and it luckily worked out. I, and I've noticed it since I've been down here, by the way, that... <laughs> We hate the English well more than the English hate us. The English don't give a fuck about us, by the way. Right? They couldn't care less. In fact, they often found they're very nice to us. Yep. Up the road, um, we're very quick to fucking have a go at our own until it that's... becomes a certain point. Why? So you're not allowed to say that you think you're good at something. That's the thing I know. See, when I was saying that I thought my band was good, People were unleashing the fury, man, and I was a pure asshole. It's like you should be able to say that you are proud of something that you've done. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like if you go to Manchester, the pubs in Manchester play bands from Manchester. Aye. You, don't, you don't really get that so much in Scotland. The only place I can think is like the Priory. I think the Priory are, are pretty good for that. I know they kind of really promote young and new bands, but nowhere else really does that. And it's like proud of what you've got. It's, and it's, it's a bizarre thing. I've, I've noticed that more and more as well. What's one piece of advice you've been given over your 20-year career spanning in the music industry that's stuck with you or you would either wish you'd listened to earlier in the day or just something that... I'll give you the best piece and the worst piece of advice. Right? So the, the best piece of advice was always just be nice to everybody, even the sound guy. And that would probably be the primary one. If you go to a venue, always be nice to the sound guy because that's going to be... Right. Definitely. So I, I didn't used to know that, and I used to like. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, so Lift that, mate. Because we were on a major label and never doing things on our own, we've got great relationships with people that we need uh -huh. help from because we were really nice to them at the start. See, if we go to Spotify now, Dean and Denise can speak to Daniel Ek like that because they've got that relationship. Dead easy, but you can't do that if you're a family people. You need to be nice to everybody, and even if it's somebody really low down. Like, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago for a boy who'd only ever done two podcasts, and he just chanced it and asked me, and I said, aye. Aye. My missus was a wee and that one, I was like, because you don't know what he's going to go on and become. Like, it doesn't matter how low somebody is, because somebody took a punt on Las Vegas at one point. Aye. Sure, somebody years. So it's like... I mean, it's just, that's just good advice for life, really. Just don't be a wank, you know? No, exactly. Don't be a fucking bam. And the worst piece of advice I've ever got was, be careful with your money and save it up. That is the worst thing you can do. Right, see all the bands I know that have saved up their money. They're absolutely miserable because they've been in tour and they've experienced nothing. Don't save up your money. Spend your money and have a good time doing it because the only thing you're going to have left is good memories. Jamie, you get anything white ass rap? I was just thinking about it'd be good to have some some money to spend in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, it, it was like so when when we got money for Sony, it was like. But at that point, I'd only ever did like labouring jobs and that, and it was like I'd have 20 quid to get to the pub with, and suddenly you've got thousands. And I felt pure dirty having this money. Really, mm. like I felt Aye. like I hadn't earned it. And I think that started to affect my mental health a wee bit. And the more we went on with the first album, which is an, another story for a, maybe another time, if, unless you want to talk about it. But oh, I'd love to, mate. What, what happened is I'd been given all this money, and I was like, I don't know what to do with it. So I paid off my girlfriend's debt, paid off my ex-girlfriend's debt, paid off all my mum's debt. It was stupid stuff like that, do you know what I mean? Like, taking people out for dinner that I hadn't seen in ages. It was like, I think I bought a pair of cowboy boots, I bought a laptop and I bought a phone. And after that was really it, because I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, Have you still got the boots? No, the, the, 
So started from ah uh, shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but then and, and again, like I was saying, no, that that was a weird thing. Like, cause somebody gave me money and they kept giving me it, and I was like, am I ever this? <laughs> back to the uni thing again. By the way, I was saying about me achieving something for myself. It was like, have I actually earned this money? And it, I just kept coming, and then yeah, the things kind of spiraled, and it was weird. It's weird where your head goes with things like that, and you don't think it. You don't think it will. You were in Las Vegas. You had. Fucking huge success. Was there any sort of like feeling of I need to go back the way here? Like going to school was me going back the way. Was mm. there any of that? Do you know what? There, there was, but it was before uni. And it was when people would be like, oh, they were on Sony and they get dropped. And the people that used to say that was people who'd never had any success in anything in their life. Mm. So it took me a while to get my head doing that and be able to be like, well, do you know what? At least I had success in the first place. At least I applied myself and I followed something to a conclusion that I was happy with. And it was like, I did have that success, although it might have been fleeting and it was only a couple of years or whatever at, at that level. Mm -hmm. But I know what it is. And I know that if I'd kept having that success, in all honesty, I would probably be dead. Aye. So I, I'm appreciative to have had that experience. And the thing is, most people follow a dream and try and get it and never get there. And mm -hmm. I think I'm beyond what I, what I wanted. I've, I've said to Kev quite a few times over the years that like, Success is only what what you make it. Do you know what I mean? Like folk are like like trying to be a million. Like the new, I feel because I've got like four grand in my bank account. I feel like a millionaire. Like I could stop. I could. Stop, I don't need the end for the rest of the year if I don't want to. Sort of thing. I've I've made it. But you know, money and that's the thing with money, right? I've had loads of money and I've had no money, and I've been happiest when I've got no money. Aye, so aye. That's not to say I couldn't be happy when I've got it, but from my experience, money in no way made me happy. It's, it's on, on any level. Like, it depends what your version of making it is. So to some people, at the level we're up, we've made it beyond their wildest dreams. And to other people, you've not made it yet. It's it's how you feel. With, what have you, have you, are you happy with what you've you've gained from that? And that's, that's a really positive headspace to be in, I think, when you... When you can see it just from your your own point of view and stop taking in the noisy other people, and I think in the past as well, we I, I'm guilty of that sometimes. Kind of think where am I in the, the wrongy like where I should be, and I think it's only like I don't know as I've grown older or recently I sort of like oh, fuck that man. I should just be happy with, if I'm happy, you know. Exactly. And do you know what? Even I'm still guilty of that. I see other people and I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And then I go, no, do you know what? That's no good for the soul. I had one wee question I'd like to add in. Uh, where was it you played in the jungle? I remember seeing it a few years ago. What country was that? It was in Ecuador. So what happened? We were in, we were in like Prague and our manager, Dean, came in the dressing room after the gig and he was like, oh, geez, fancy going to uh, the rainforest to do a TV show. And we genuinely thought he was joking. We were like, aye, whatever. On you go, book it, whatever. And three months later, it was like, there's your plane ticket. You're going to go and make music with a tribe. And we were like, oh, no. <laughs> then, we had to start, then we had to start getting all these vaccines. I had to get 17 jags before I could go. <laughs> right. so, like, then this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm petrified of flying. Right. Really, really scared, right? So we, we got a big plane out of Ecuador. Then we had to get in a two-seater engine thing where you could open the window when it was flying. So I was just like a mess. Anyway, got there. Um, and we were with this tribe for like five days, like living in the in the wee jungle village thing, and it was like they were all naked. <laughs> so straight away, you've kind of got to get all the fag nobody's get clothes on, and, I, and it was like, do they want us to do this? Or like, <laughs> 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 
Um, and then it was like we had to like sail all our equipment and like a canoe down the down the. Oh, that's the, fucking great. Never for like two days. Not it was it was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever done. There's there's yeah. success. Like that's 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 worth it. If that's all you ever done, then you can say you've been up the fucking Amazon or whatever in Ecuador. We all you know we had to go and shit. Exactly. Well, we had to go hunting for food. So it's like James has got this thing for fizzy juice. He can't go without fizzy juice. So I managed to take a suitcase full of iron brew for him. <laughs> and gave him like a, a ration every day so he had a wee bit to drink. It's not a joke, like it was it was bizarre. And once we landed, James was like, I about to leave, I'm not digging this. And it was like the plane comes back in five days. Like, the, the, <laughs> like we landed on a bit of grass. It wasn't it a runway? It was like a bit of grass in the middle of the field. It was like legit like uh, snakes, fucking pumas, tarantulas, it was like the real deal. Cool as fuck. Size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. This week I, I tasked Daz with a I asked Daz if he could come up with some outro music for the, the cast. So it felt like uh, it was a, a finishing thing. Have you got that there, Daz? Right, uh, another fantastic cast once again, episode 46. Big shouts to Rab Allen from Glass Vegas for coming on the cast. Big shouts to Jamie and his journal. Big shouts to me and Daz for just being pioneers in their field, really. Keep signing up to the LaFontaine's Patreon account. Patreon.com forward slash the LaFontaine's. The podcast is funded by you, the listener. The soundest, the soundest people out there. If you feel that we merit a price of a pint a month, or a cup of coffee, or a baguette. Or in Kerr's case, for being in London, a jelly deal. A jelly deal. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, man. Then, uh, <laughs> then hit us up on Patreon. We say peace, love, unity, and as always, good night, Vienna. Good night, Vienna. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.